102. This is the 102th recording. <laughs> Hello, everybody. And also those people who do not consider yourself um, properly addressed by the term everybody. <laughs> Everything. So, hello, everything and everybody, everyone's. Welcome to the study group. We're on page uh, 247, section 8b, but we want to hear from Julia Neumann for her experiments. Yes. <laughs> My experiments, where to start? I... Well, I'm experimenting how it goes to radically relate with everybody around me. And so I'm glad for your question. And, and one experiment I'm doing is how does it go to create circular econo money so that, um, I, I've, I've, I've noticed that trees, for example, they like nature doesn't go into bilateral exchange. It's a circular exchange. Everybody is who they are, and that is the non-material value. And then, and then everything goes into flow. And that's yeah, that's what I'm excited to research more. It's like, how does it go when I am who I am, and then everybody gets to be who they are, and and then the bilateral exchange falls away. And yeah, and <laughs> just just an abundance of. Of flow. All right, and less theoretical. What what's happening less theoretically? Less theoretically, is that I'm yeah I'm creating I'm creating um, what I want to create. So I'm creating a recording studio to record all these episodes for radically alive women to record sounds to record. The research that I'm doing, like, how does it go to create a next culture village? How does it go to, yeah, I mean, yeah, I find it hard to put it. How do I do it less theoretical? And maybe that's where I'm at. Start with, I feel mad, sad, glad, or scared because. Oh, cool. Yeah. I feel. Feel scared because because I'm here and because I I, I don't necessarily know what to say. I don't know what to say, and oh, wait, I feel wait, scared. Wait. What you're yeah. saying is <clears throat> you don't know what to say that's not theoretical. So this would be this would be a challenge for you then as experiment the next six years of your life <laughs> to consider starting your conversations in the in the non-theoretical domain. And of course that's the point is that you won't know. That's the point. You will not know what to say. That is the point. I don't know what I'm saying right now. I don't know what to say to you. I don't, I did not even know you were going to be here. So I don't know what to tell you. And the, the capacity to interact and relate radically without knowing what to say 
is one of the great joys of life, I would propose, and that um, to to relate from the theoretical domain keeps you in the known, keeps you know keeps you in your specialty of what you know that you're the specialist in, and then and then you know what you can talk about. And then that's it. That's like this safe place, but it's also dead. It's not the radical part. And so that would be a an, an, uh, challenging experiment to try, is to engage. You know, which means before you before you even say anything, you're actually engaging from the non-theoretical domain. And that that would be a great experiment for this for everybody for this week to just hit out. Because we're in the archetypal level, we're in the archetypal domains, and it would be, I think, for the entire, almost entire history of human beings, when we hit archetypal domains, people want to come from the known. People want to come from the theoretical, the theories about the archetypal, and that kills the thing before it even starts. So the real delight in the archetypal domains is is the support that we have from so many infinite resources to participate in radically engaged relating outs beyond the by beyond the known outside the un, outside the known in the unknown from the unknown from the unexpected from the from the very small point of origin in the archetypal it has no dial you know has no script does not have a pre, you know, it's not a script that you can practice. If you catch yourself practicing what you're going to say next, you're not. You're not in the present, you're not in the archetypal, and you're not in the radical. So that would be, those would be the catch points of the experiment. Well, so thank you. Anything else about that, Julia? Yeah, I feel sad because it's, it's really, yeah, I'm touched, and it's really how, like, my heart is longing for that. So thank you. And I also feel glad about that. Yes. I'm up for that experience. Julia, where are you sleeping? Why? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> I've just crawled out of a bell tent. So I'm sleeping really close to the ground because I really... Love being so close to to the earth and and the cold wraps around me in the night and it's it's I'm so touched to get out into this crisp winter air and right now even there there are stars out and the, this this moon is out and it's just so beautiful. I'm really touched by by life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A little aside archetypal experiment. This is a side archetypal experiment. Is touch the stars back. So many of us want to be touched by the stars or touched by the moon. And this is, there's this amazing website called the Worthing Healers. 
rubyhealers.mystriking.com that is a gateway to make direct contact with a source. Uh, and I go there these days without ailments. I make connection with the worthing healers and I just send praise. I said, this is for you guys. You can use it to help heal other people. You know, I send love, I send recognition, I send acknowledgement, I send admiration, I send pray, I, I send all that stuff. And I, I fall asleep like that, you know, because I've been helped so much by those guys. And yet, just I only coming to them when I have a victim conversation going on. What a sad story that is. So when I'm feeling wonderful, I connect with the worthy healers and I send them energy to use for whatever they want. So that's what I mean, touch the stars. Reach and touch them as a side experiment. Thank you. Habet, mm -hmm. <laughs> what are you doing? You got you're carrying around a live thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm looking for a better internet connection. Uh, better <laughs> the story of our lives. Always <laughs> something better. Always out to find some more better, happier, faster. We're always looking for that. <laughs> okay. Well, let us know when, when you find something. Michael, you you got something to say, dude? What is it? I don't know. I've taken on a experiment because. I, I noticed that when I'm relating with with my partner, I'm I'm triggered a lot, and I, I make this because I don't know whether it's the right term, whether it's pushing buttons or triggered. I I, I have I've, I have emotions. I get I feel I feel anger a lot, and it didn't didn't change even doing EHP. So I took on this experiment to connect to whatever nothingness might be and it's mm, i feel fear because i don't know don't know how how that goes to to stay not reacting not judging or having a formula in my mind to answer what whatever she brings to me. Well, you can't, Jesus. <clears throat> I mean, Jesus would say, being a man, that trying to have a formula in response to a woman, you're shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, women cannot be responded to with a formula. So I <laughs> propose that you rip that strategy up and toss it to the wind and i have another suggestion which is we've been noticing a pattern so mika you're a man of you're a noble man do you accept that 
I'm pushing it away, to be what honest. Do you have dignity and purpose. Do you accept that? Yeah. Well, then you're a nobleman. Now do you accept it? Seeing it as dignity and purpose, it's it's easier to accept than noble, which has kind of a, a picture of a man with a standing and a hat and a tie and, and a horse. Okay. I wasn't talking about the horse or the hat. But anyway, so I get what you're saying. So I know we're dealing in different languages. So thank you for your patience with this. So being being a man of dignity and purpose... Your efforts have authenticity. And the pattern that we've been noticing is that when a person of authenticity is unable to become unhookable, it is because their gremlin is in charge. And the gremlin is in charge in a survival purpose, defending a strategy of, for example, a parent ego state contamination of the adult ego state. In your case, it would probably be a parent ego state contamination of the adult ego state. Do those words make any sense to you? Yeah, a lot. I noticed so, how often he is in charge. Uh, he not, is in not charge, sure. and he has rules, and he has it should be like this, or didn't didn't you notice this, or you should not ask me this kind of question, or you, sh you should not do this. You should not do this. You have you must do it like that. This is the parent ego state contamination of the adult ego state, and then gremlin is used to empower that and hold it in place as a survival imperative. Meaning, if I don't do this, I'll die. So, and it's been below the consciousness, and so you're making noble efforts to grow up, you know, and relate radically and communicate and be present and connect and open and have love happening in the space and in the world. And it's just sidetracked by this, what you described, this, this reactivity. And so I would really encourage you to get your ass into a gremlin transformation program. Are you in that at all? Are you, you start, are you doing that? Where are you with that? I've done Kremlin transformation. Like when I did it, there was the Kremlin transformation one, not the zero and one. Okay. And I have two Kremlin three cells running. Okay. I would just go back to zero, get to zero, start over, get in there. And, and cause now you know why. Now you know why. Cause you've still got Kremlin in charge. You don't get to be in charge. And Gremlin will pull emotions. He will he will send emotions through your body to hook you into the reactivity of your parent ego state out of out of a, a you know trying to serve you well, trying to do a good job for you. But it's you know you're it's you're going through this loop. You just keep going through the loop, and no amount of noble deeds will get you out of the loop. You got to hit the bottom in the, in the underworld with the gremlin. You got to go face that thing, and it's a journey. And I'm sure Kinu will back you. You know, like like she's there for you in the long haul for this journey. So, as you don't have to pretend as if you got something already. You know what I'm saying? This stuff takes work. 
takes real work and you're doing it. But the next step, in my opinion, would be really go down and face this guy with your gremlin transformation team and just do that. I really encourage you to do that. But to do, be clear, I don't know if it was clear, but to do the chapter zero again. And he didn't do it. He started when there wasn't even. Yeah, but it, okay. I think the chapter one was sort of a former chapter zero. Okay. Okay. But to just do it again, and people have just said, it's like, it's a whole, the first time I didn't know it was happening. And the second time now I can actually start working was the grown one. And the first time was so overwhelming and whatever. Yeah. Because, because, you know, the symptom is the reactivity, but it, it turns out not to be effective you know, if, if it's not effective at the first couple of times with the emotional healing process, with the emotional healing process then it's not, that's not the cause. The cause is deeper. And we, we just go to the deeper place. That's the, the, that's the invitation. Cool. Yeah, it rings, it rings a lot of bells. And I noticed the last weeks how active he is. Yeah, and he's, he's trying to do a good job, but it's just off. Yeah. It's too late. You know, it's like the game is over. And we just, we've been noticing this pattern. We just wanted to share it with people. When you try it a few times and it's not working, there's something else going on. And the Gremlin transformation has been really helpful for people in that area, in that pattern. Thank you for the doorway, for the invitation. Thank you for being here. What you going to say? Thank you. Yeah, we both thank you. Everybody thanks you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Michael. I wanted to share an experiment that I've been, I was doing last week. Yeah, started last week, which was we <laughs> we went on holiday with Clinton. <laughs> How incredible that seems. Um, and we didn't tell anybody that we were we were going off and not working and not being online. And then here we were at the beach in my in my hometown beach where I used to go on a holiday when I was a kid. And I showed Clinton where I was going. But I noticed that we were both maxed out in terms of really creating in terms of our five body intimacy of game world building or training building or deepening the context of uh, whatever possibility management or the trainings that we deliver or what we want to, like I was maxed out and Clinton was recuperating and so battling hay fever. And so the, the intimacy that this five body intimacy that I am I have so much ecstasy of being with in with Clinton was just not that space was not available. And so therefore we, I was in sort of nothing. I was sort of like start over or no. And I noticed that this mechanism inside of me of having these tracks of basically sort of extraordinary human relating tracks, but there's still tracks. And it's like, okay, track number one, we were maxed out with him. Track number two, you know, that's irrelevant. And I started noticing these tracks of kind of how I would move into a particular space with Clinton. And, and 
and be, yeah, and sort of like because I like my nervous system couldn't handle it, I would just refuse them. But then I kept they just kept showing up over and over again, and and I noticed that it was a way for me to avoid having access to the archetypal, like to avoid uh, in any moment letting like what Clinton you were talking about to Julia letting this the space letting the, the environment letting our relating letting other forces come through me and access something that I don't have a track for something I don't have a track for and so I think I'm still really much at the at the beginning of that experiment to notice the tracks but something that has helped me um you know the my the what happens is when I notice those tracks, then I tend to put my center outside of myself and look at myself and say, what are you going to do now? You know, so I'm looking at myself trying to figure out well, what am I going to do now if I'm not doing these tracks? And that puts me in this um, stage fright. I mean, we call it stage fright. It's like, I need to do something. And one of the experiments to get out of looking at myself and instead looking at the world and is to be in movement. Um, because when I'm looking at myself, everything is still, like everything stands still of, and I'm supposed to be the one like using my own energy and power to create something. And it's like, oh, I have to do something. And that is usually doesn't actually end up in the archetypal domains. And, but in, instead is, I guess to be in movement, it's sort of like maybe what experiment, what experiment could I do? And so I remember we were sitting in this beautiful town. If you ever go to France called Talmont sur Gironde, which is a fortified little city by the water. And we're sitting by the, the cemetery in the church and Clinton is in the church. And I just don't want to be in the church. It's like, this is not my department. I'm sitting by the, the cemetery and I'm noticing these tracks. And then all of a sudden, as I'm, you know, keep saying no to the tracks, I notice this experiment of, God, are there any ghosts in the cemetery? And then, then I start scanning for ghosts in the cemetery. And for some reason, I did not find any. And I thought, who were these people that there are no people who were, like, you know, incomplete about their death somehow because that's often the ghost situation is people are incomplete about their death or they something they need to say so and 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 so whatever and then i had this conversation you know with clinton about the ghosts but the it was a i got the movement part it's like what experiment am i doing what am i what am i looking for what's my purpose something like that and so whatever, like reading books, reading books puts me in movement. I notice how reading great books puts me in movement. And yeah, and other experiments. Thank you. Thank you. What's, what happens when you access a new track? <clears throat> Did any of you ever done the what is it called the interface technology process? 
interface technology. Yeah, I think we did it in, in, in New Zealand. Great. So I discovered, so it's a great process to do. I'm, I think it's written up somewhere on the website called PM process. And I discovered that my original interface was these tracks, was these synapse. And so, and I, and, um, I, I borrowed a, I borrowed an interface technology from somebody else who had just indigo. Just like indigo space, you know, no tracks, no nothing, like no sharp edges, just this like, I'm looking at the night sky, like Julia, I'm looking at the night sky and there's nothing. And so I think I, when I, can get off my tracks, like I can get in more in this indigo space where I, I don't need to have a track. Is that, does that answer your question? That's an excellent answer <laughs> yeah. to some question. Yeah. But I was just wondering if you could, if you wanted to actually share what happens when you go through a doorway where there's a new track that you never access before. Well, I guess, yeah. I, that's not the experiment I'm doing at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, somebody else. The movement part of your, um, your experiment, Anglai, was a piece that I started working with recently, which after a, a, an EHP, I chose to go down the beach and just dance and, and dance and cartwheel and run backwards and and stuff that I wouldn't normally do. And it... I could, yeah, it moves, it, it moves me. It's, it changes my state. And I, <clears throat> and yesterday I did some uh, energetic um, surgery in another process. And, and, and again, I, I came out of that and, and I, I just, I, I wanted to move and, and, and let, words come without monitoring which is which has been my 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 modus operandi for so long and it's been so painful and 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 to allow the words to come without being monitored is is my my edge Mm. thank you thank you I have a hint I have a hint about the movement part is that often when people discover this ability to have freedom of movement it it is easy to feel it through the physical body so I can move backwards I can do cartwheel I can you know put my hands up in the air I can do things that you know I was not allowed as a kid because I just sit down put my hands on my legs and it was just like that and and also with the speech and and the hint is you can discover that you can have these movements in your emotional body. You can do cartwheels with your emotional body. 
You can and you can have these moments movements in your energetic body and also in your intellectual body, such as where are you putting your attention? How does your attention flows? You know, what are your whatever, what are your tracks? And then you can discover that you have these, you can do these movements in your archetypal body. And so that would be a, an experiment for you is how do you translate this, you know, this freedom of finding it can, you know, I can move into your other bodies because there's so much more dimension to discover than being able to run on the beach as a adult men. Cool. Great set of experiments. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Phyllis, you appeared out of nowhere. Go ahead. Yeah. I did. What did you say? Go ahead? Yes. Go ahead. Uh, let's see. Well, I practice. I, I had this story about myself that I don't really know how to go nonlinear. And I told that to Devin in my gremlin meeting with him. And he said, well, let's practice. And so I practiced it and I did this like superb job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, and so then I practiced it in real life and it was like transformational. It was like taking this ordinary space and making it into I mean people were sobbing and taught you know going deep and and yeah it was pretty amazing actually so so that was an exciting new discovery Uh, and and getting rid of an old story and the other thing I've been practicing is um being a conscious asshole and I, I, it's not easy for me, but, but my brother made it easy for me recently. And uh, <laughs> I just, I've just been on a, a call with with Ingrid and Nicole for my gremlin resale, so they know all about the, they know the whole story. But um, but yeah, I was a conscious asshole, and I and I didn't regret it, and I, you know, I just it just felt okay. And that said, I I still have a really hard time not giving reasons for saying no. <laughs> and so I'm so I'm working on that. Yeah, great experiment. Mm-hmm. Great experiment for everybody. Really. You say no, say yes, say I'm changing my mind and not give reasons, you know, unnecessarily. Like because the reason is not the cause. The reason is not the cause. The reason is a smokescreen. And so it's really a, a great exercise to be able to declare, choose, take action without without doing the reason thing. I mean, one of my discoveries was in terms of like this gremlin work and being an asshole is that I discovered that when I was not an asshole, my gremlin would, it's like, then I would go in low drama because my gremlin was not fed. He's waiting to be an asshole. Like he's waiting to, for me to have integrity with myself. He's waiting to help me have integrity with myself. And the moment I'm not in integrity with myself, my gremlin just loses it. 
It does work. And 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 then it has it really is like feeding on me, you know, because it's food. So for example, it's for me it's internal conversation. Try to have the conversation I had in the past in a better way, you know, in a way that I'm right or whatever. All this gremlin feeding, and I really, I just, I thought people who have low drama it's because they're not in integrity with themselves. <laughs> and it's a lot more fun to have integrity than than to have low drama. It's more fun. It's not. It's not as easy for sure. <laughs> Yet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually would like, Clinton, I actually would like you to speak more about the reason piece. I didn't quite get what you said. <laughs> okay. Hold on just one second. It's a lot more fun to have integrity with yourself than to <laughs> go into low drama. Whoa. Yes. Yeah. The, We've been trained that uh, to know is of the highest value from modern civilization, essentially, and school and all that. And so we've been, we oftentimes put our center in our mind as, as if that's the presiding reality. And so then our life needs to conform to the prevailing logic, and the prevailing logic includes modern culture rules, modern culture laws, modern culture societies, distortions, and logic, and modern culture's kind of logic. And so we were trained that if we go to school and we do not show up with our homework and we don't have a really good reason, we get punished. And so when we have, but those people who could come up with really good reasons for not having their homework, for example, can avoid punishment. They can avoid responsibility. And so the art of creating really good reasons as a way of avoiding responsibility is a, is a, tra a tradition in the capitalist patriarchal empire. It is a main form of <laughs> whatever you want to call it, a way of life. Look at anybody out there who's doing anything in modern culture. It's all justified with certain reasons, legal or not. And that's what the news is all about, all the stories about everybody. And so this trickles down into our daily lives and even into our own personal internal environment. That if we can justify what we're doing with really good reasons, then we can do, we can get away with it regardless of what the values are. And if we do not have really good reasons, even for something we really want, even for something that's really valuable for ourselves or really something that's true or useful, if we don't have really good reasons, we can't do it because the reasons control our lives. The reasons have the power in our lives. And so the, the part of one of the initiations into adulthood is taking your power back, your authority back from reasons. Taking your authority back from reasons. And it's, it's, there's a great website called Go Unreasonable. And it, I don't think there's so much there, but it's, there will be eventually because it's such a great and necessary 
capabilities to be able to go unreasonable. It's like like you started, Phyllis, with this Go Nonlinear, which is another website called Go Nonlinear, which where that's where you've been working is you just discovered the joys of being able to go nonlinear. Well, this there's even more joys of being able to go unreasonable. It's really a prison break experience of getting out of the prison of reasonableness, being reasonable. And then as a coach, like you're you're a natural space holder, Phyllis, for healing and coaching and stuff. Once you're able to be unreasonable, then your capacity for making an unreasonable demand on your client for their own evolution or transformation or healing or discovery or expansion or liberation, uh, you can make unreasonable demand or unreasonable offers, but unreasonable demand for, for an experiment for them to try, you know, and then make conditions. Like if you don't do this, we make a deal, pirate agreement. If you don't do this, you, you know, you pay me a thousand euros or you donate a thousand euros to some cause or something or you pick up garbage for five weeks or whatever. You make an unreasonable demand for them to, to, to extend their capacity. Anyway, yeah. Another, I mean, another experiment could be to, uh, to notice other people making reasons. Mm. And for example, I was having a conversation with a woman and, and she said, I want to do this. And because you understand, like, this is important for me. And, and this, and I said, I don't need to agree. You know, I'm committed to your commitment. I will come with you. I don't need to agree to your value or agree that what you're saying makes any sense to me. And it didn't make any sense to me, but I could still be with her. And so you could try that to notice people's value and and say, look, I don't need to agree with you. Yes, no, what do you want? And and that's yeah. So it's it's fantastic part of the experiment to identify the the way you and other people are using reasons. What's the use of a reason? And it's usually to hide behind or as a defense or as a justification or or um, but the but the end result is we give our power away to reasons as if a reason has power and reasons do not have power people have power you know a being has power reason does not have power I mean I want to emphasize that it's this idea that you can only relate to people you understand it's an idea yeah this it's like this assumption. Only if people understand me can they relate to me. You know, only if I make sense to them, if I am reasonable to them. And But did you ever meet anybody who made sense to you? Mm-hmm. I mean, really, seriously. You I ne- I never did. And you can and you can start, you know, another in terms of experiments and, and reasonableness is you relate to people who don't make sense to you. You don't understand their reason, you don't understand their value. But you can still relate to them and be with them. Like kids. Yeah. Kids are completely unreasonable. Completely unreasonable. They just want what they want and don't want what they don't want and are what they are and aren't what they aren't. And it's not reasonable. We try to civilize them, you know, and make them be reasonable. Come on, be reasonable. No. But not a bet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you can, yeah, so you can, it's this experiment of, taking your power back from reasons is 
is a step towards being an asshole, conscious asshole, because a conscious asshole has their power back and does not need to use reasons. Like it's like it's like the movie, you know, the movie where the the bad guy's taken over the town, whatever, and he says, "I'm I'm the sheriff of the town," and the the other guy says, "Well, where's your badge?" We don't need no badges. So it's like we don't need no badges. It's like you don't need reasons. Don't need the to defend, justify, protect, hide behind a reason like a badge. You move, you just take action. You create, you destroy, transform, heal, go, discover like that. Is it, is that helpful? Uh, yes, and you know, for a lot of reasons it is and what about a reason like like maybe i really want to do it but i have something else i committed to and so then you don't want to really do it otherwise you change your plans it's a lie you know what you want is what you have this is like a law of the universe what you want is what you have you want to know what you want look at what you have and this is the integrity thing too. Yeah. When, when you're doing that, you're out of integrity with yourself. Can mm. you explain that? Just explain it. If I do something I don't want to do, I am deceiving myself. I'm I'm breaking myself. The world doesn't have to break me. I'm breaking myself. You know, because we have this power. Thank you, Mark. Because we have this power to negotiate. And like I was just negotiating with Mark. He said something, it was totally clear, but it wasn't unfolded enough for the space. I said, could you please unfold it a little? And he and he and he landed a sentence, he unfolded it a little. We just negotiated that. So we have this power of negotiating everything. And so if somebody says, you know, I committed to this, but I really want to do that, you know, this is a victim conversation. You know, if you if you if you promise to do this, you said you call those people up and you say, "Look, I changed my mind. There's, I'm I'm going to go do something else, and I'll talk to you later. We'll do something else, whatever. But I've changed my mind, and you negotiate. You know, what what do I need to do to handle it that I changed my mind? Do I have to pay you 100 euros? Do I have to pick up your kids? What works so that I can negotiate this? Because I want to go do this other thing, and to to use it as a reason. It's just like Mark said, it's lying. And it's giving your power away and it's undermining your power to negotiate. To go non-linear. And to go not unreasonable. Unreasonably non-linear. And non-reasonably non-linear. Yes. (laughs) And and we do this so much with authorities. Wait, wait, what? Use the word I, I. I I do this so much with authorities, and I I'm, I'm right on that edge at the moment of feeling fear, but to but but joy at the possibility of just questioning everything with authority. They have their reasons. Fine, you have your reasons, but they're not my reasons. And and mm, 
if I if I question, if I ask, if I challenge, if I inquire, if I require them to 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 <clears throat> justify, then I'm in I'm I'm in in my power, and and not simply going along. It's almost like if you have a reason, you have a problem. Mm-hmm. And if somebody you has have a reason, reason, if you have a reason, you have a problem. Yeah. And if somebody has a problem, you can let them have their problem and not make it your problem. Just like if somebody has a reason, you can let them have their reason and not make it your reason. Just like James said. And Mark is about to say something. I'm aware that unreasonable is connected with my box as a negative term and that we're using it in a positive way. I'm, I'm going down another level and working with the whole concept of what it means to be unreasonable. It's a little tricky because in English, the, the term has two connotations. You can just name the other one. Yeah, and it's, it's a manipulation in a way. You so know, like you're unreasonable. Yeah, a, be reasonable. Like, mm-hmm. Come on, let's be reasonable. And you're supposed to adapt to whatever their container, their context of reason is, and then they can manipulate you using be reasonable, which is totally what was done oftentimes in a parent-child situation. And so part of getting out of that, escaping that, is to step into your own power bigger than any reason. Bigger than any reason. Phyllis, were you going to say something else? No, thank you. That that was helpful. I was. Go ahead, Ellen. No, Janet. Janet, I mean. I I changed my mind for no reason and without explaining to the person. Thank you, and Chloe, you said three months, change your mind with no reason, be arrogant for no reason. And it was a doorway for the other person because their story came online that, oh, so you're not really someone I can count on. And it became this huge doorway for her. So it's an experiment from both ends. What I want to share is there's a new movie called The Bank of Dave, and it's from where I come from in England, Burnley. And Gabriel Mellinger today wants to interview me about what I do so naturally, I can't imagine how this interview is going to go, about being able to talk to anyone and everyone. Well, I was trained. My culture is we talk to each other. In the movie, this guy from London who's Mr. Independent fixing his tire by himself and someone comes and offers, he can't even accept the offer it's just so out of his culture and it's for me it's so inspirational what this one man did i won't spoil it because i hope you will watch it the Thank bank you. of dave the bank yeah. of dave the bank of dave and the difference one person can make in the world wow yeah. Thank you. bank of dave yeah there's a i mean it's funny because there's just an old another old movie with kevin kind it's called I think it's Dave. It's called Dave. And it's also a story about one man, what one man can do to make a difference. Wow, thank you. 
Ellen, you go ahead. Thank you. This whole conversation really lands in me like um, it gives words to what I'm sensing here in Germany with I thought it is the box, the box strategy, the box rigidity that is here. There is from from the little little nucleus of my family to wider, 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 wider the whole Europe. It's just so full of this sticky, tendense cobweb of reasoning. It's just so tight and so sticky and so ugh. I just, it makes me so sick to see that. And I find it really, really hard to, to plow through that. I find it so sad to, to not being able to reach people that, that are so close to me that do want to relate, that do want to connect. This is nearly impossible because of reasoning, constant reasons of why this and that and the gremlins are so on high alert and so in survival. Um, yeah, it, it, everything is so close to survival fear. It makes it so hard to relate. That's my experience at the moment here. So this conversation really puts more light into it. But it yeah, thank yeah, you for that. Thank you. You just really describe zombie land. Yeah. Go ahead. Yes. So, so the thing is, you said it's so sticky and, and trying to deal with it or something. The thing with the cobweb, it was perfect cobweb of reason. It's like a tar baby. Do you know what a tar baby is? No. Tar baby is this, it's this tar is the thing that you put on the road before it's, yeah. it's hard black. it's black and it's sticky and if you put your hand in it and you and you try to get off you you cannot pull your hand out it's sticky so you might want to try to you know use your other hand and put your other hand in it and then you try to fight it and the more you fight it the more it's you know you in it the more you in it and so it's the same thing with reason if you try to enter that world you will be in the tar baby so there's two experiments to try with that one is to stand there and make this being to being connection with the person who's completely trapped in this world of rules and reasons and constructs and the way things beliefs about the way things are and you and you hold up your red flag and instead of holding it in front of you where everything that they say hits you instead of that red cloth and you put um you hold it to the side and so everything they say to you does not go to you so then you don't get covered with this tar or these thought forms they're called thought forms you should you must you have to you cannot it has to it is this way it is not that way this is how it this is not possible. You know, I'm like this. You're like this. This is better. The only way, you know, you put all that over here. And so everything they say is going over there. And you just stay in this being-to-being -being connection. And you just enjoy the being-to-being -being connection. And it's it's a fine experience. And you just sit there with a smile on your face, enjoying the being-to-being -being connection that they don't even actually know how to do very well because they're so involved 
in the reasonableness or unreasonableness of their reasoning. So that's one experiment. It's called the red cloth. Put it over to the side or this side. You can put it up here or, or down behind your butt. There's different places you can put it. But so and the other the other thing is that you can use your sword, you pull out your sword of clarity, shing, and you hold it right at their throat. And you choose one, choose one thing that they say. Like, for example, I sometimes I use the word we. Like I just did that with James. You know, he said, well, we, and I said, stop right there. That was my sword. You know, I said, what do you mean by the word we? And you, and you just don't, you, you only ask that question. You only ask one question and you, you refuse to change from that question until they have some kind of realization about their memetics. This is called memetic engineering. It's a great website about memetics. Target is to our own. One. And there's a great website about memetics, and there's another great website about memetic engineering. And so if you uh, review those websites, then you start understanding how people are prisons of their memes. They're prisons of their in they're prisoners of their thought layer. They're really prisoners of their thought layer. Um and, and if you detect that, if you just stand there and you go, this person is a prison, a prisoner of their thought layer. And you just, as a, as, as a hobby, there's no other purpose. I'm not going to rescue them. I'm not going to try to make a relationship better. I'm not going to heal them. It's just my hobby to investigate memes. And you just investigate one, you just stick with one meme and you just take that meme deeper and deeper and deeper. Go, why, why do you say that? And you go, nah, 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 nah. Yes, but really, why do you say that? Nah, 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 nah. And a lot of times what will happen after five or seven levels down is you'll get to a feeling. It's an emotion, of course, and it's an unconscious emotion. So, but what, what it, you could guess which one it mostly is. Ellen, what would you guess that mostly that unconscious emotion is? Terrified. They're fearful. And there's an interesting place to be with people is with that terror, is with that fear. And you can go, gosh, what else are you afraid of? Or what makes you really the most afraid about that? And so you've shifted out of this whole mimetic construct, tar baby prison world into, I feel afraid because. And that, that's a different conversation. You shifted into a different, completely different conversation. And you have to have patience. You know, you cannot do that reasonably. You cannot do it logically, whatever. You really have to have patience and energy. You have to have some energy to, to tenderly, carefully keep repeating back what they said. That's not what I asked you. You're answering a different question than I asked you. You know, I asked you this and you told me this. So I really want to know this. What is it? What, why, why are you using that reason? And then keep going down, 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 and you'll get to this fear. And there you can connect. And you can, gosh, I have, I feel afraid about that too. There's just something in common. <clears throat> so those are two, two experiments to try with that. Well, yeah, then. I had this conversation with my sister and 
we got to the level of of the feeling but so quickly it it came in for her this block or the 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 yeah the terror was so big that the survival kicked in and said um in no time she flicked out of it and and yeah. went on yeah. to doing something and and escape the the moment the intimacy yeah with the busyness so yeah you yeah. hit the old you hit the old thoughtware about feeling about fear you hit the old thoughtware about mm. fear and the way to stay there is to go i have i have fear also you know i have my fear about that mm. is is to is to join the conversation immediately at the level of fear so that you're with them rather than in their old thought where you would be judging them, criticizing them, telling them they're sick because they're afraid, they're wrong, they're afraid. All the old thought were about fear. And, you know, I mean, anyway, that would be, and at the same time, you, you know, your job, Ellen, is, is not to take your sister through an emotional healing process. I mean, you could, you know, if the door is open, you could. And, you know, what an intimacy between sisters and, and at the same time, you know, to navigate the line between, you know, creating the intimacy that there's a part of her that she's longing for that and then abusing her to try to change her. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And you could you could admit to her that you have a really weird hobby, was you actually share share little stories with other people about fears because mm-hmm. you actually love mystery stories. Do you, do you like to read mystery novels, mystery stories? Do you like to read those? Okay. Mystery <laughs> Life is presenting enough of it for me. <laughs> <laughs> but you can say it, you know, you can say, I just love mysteries or I love the fear that comes up with discovering new stuff. And so I ask my hobby, I have a hobby. People knit socks, you know, people make pizza using pine nuts or whatever. I I listen to people's fear and I'm, so you don't have to do this with me, but I love to do this with other people. I do it with Sam. I do it with Bob. I do it with Judy. I could do, you know, we could do it with you. We've got a, actually, we have a fear club. And, you know, have you ever been in a fear club, Ellen? No, not yet. You might like it. Mm-hmm. You might like it. It's so fascinating. There's so much treasure in fears. God, it's really, to, if you've been in Rage Club, Fear Club's next. Really, Fear Club is fantastic. It's so. on my list. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thank you. You know, the next, this, I think, this realization, you know, being faced, like, your explanation of the zombie land world, it was so accurate, Ellen. You know, and being faced with that, you know, is also the trampoline. It's also the step of saying, enough of this. Like enough of being stuck in the cobweb of reason and justification and opinions and belief and such superficial uh, possibility for the whatever for humanity for the you know I mean it's like I heard today that in New Zealand the new prime minister said well you know my voting base is um, the farmers in New Zealand so we will not uh, obey the quotas that you know we will not fulfill the quotas of meth- methane and carbon in the air that we promised at, uh, you know, whatever the COP. 
and, and, and farmers can just do whatever they want because, you know, I need to be reelected next year. And it's like, this, it's, in, it's insane. It is insane and criminal. And, you know, and, and thinking that you guys, you know, should bow down to the authority, like James said, who can give enough reason to kill the planet. It's like, that's a level of denial that's um, crazy making. You know, that you can believe a reason of a, a prime minister that's saying, I will not make a safe planet for you or your children or anybody else. You know, whatever the good reason is. And so it's, you know, in the, in, in the, the proposal that basically, you know, we're making as possibility management is we, we're get out, get out, you know, create another culture where reason is irrelevant, where reason has no power whatsoever. And, and, in come out of the illusion that the, you know, any person, government, corporation who gives a good enough reason for their behavior is, um, is just a gremlin, it's just a gremlin game. The reason thing is a gremlin game. And so, you know, we're talking at a personal level, which is also a gremlin game, but it's happening at all levels of society and people that are supposed, you know, supposedly, whatever, caring for us. You know, I mean, even saying that seems crazy that a government would actually be caring for us. You know, it sounds so, and, but somehow we give it, I don't know, we, many people give credibility to the government because they have good reason in that. We were elected. I don't know why. You know, it's like, (laughs) so the hell what? I, I recommend to watch the Zombieland movies, especially to you, Ellen, now that you're in Germany. And from that, you can make your own list. There's this, this guy has these lists, this list, how to survive in Zombieland or how to live. And you could start making your own list. How do you, and I would be curious to hear what you find. I found one is to really keep your center at all times. And another one is to like do rage work. He does cardio to be able to run away and I think like do rage work as like cardio to not get, you know, to, to not have to have reasons and to be able to, yeah, to not get hooked. <laughs> Become unhookable is another one. Yeah. And Chloe is going to give you a list of three zombie movies to watch in the order that she writes them because there's some scenes in the, zombie land movie that are just uh you know ordinary zombie you know slaughter scenes so the it contextualizes the zombie land movie to watch uh world war z first which is a brad pitt <clears throat> kind of pretty straightforward zombie movie. It's, it's not so it's not a horror movie and then and then to watch I'm going to say Warm Body is second. No. Really? Oh, no. Warm Body is third. Are you sure? Yes. All right. This is the coming out, the possibility of saving the zombie. Okay. Every zombie, every every person you save is one less zombie you have to fight. 
So uh, both those three zombie movies in that order are recommended. Literally, just about literally. Thank you. You're welcome. Zonia Gonzalez, what's going on with your hair? I, I don't mean that. What's going on with you? Uh, no, 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 I, no. Skip the uh part. Okay. I'm feeling sad because I notice, um, I feel really sad when I go into a little drama. And, uh, yeah, I had a call with someone just before, and there was low drama and reactivity. What, and I feel sad about the, that. They had or you did? You accepted I had. And yes, I did. And I noticed how I tried to to do the right thing to not go into the low drama. You let and, the emotion come up too? Like you're really good at speaking without letting emotion come, but this is this is building love that last study group, and you can just let it come. That, yeah, that. Try, don't swallow it down. Okay, just just let it come and then let it speak. Let it speak. Because we're we're all with you in this. I feel sad because I don't like going into that place. I don't like going into the little drama and the reactivity. I don't like it. I and I feel sad because every time this happens, there's this sense that I am stabbing myself or there's something hurting me deeply. And there's this sense of Things could be so different from this. And it just... <laughs> and it just happens. And I said about that. You, thank you. Um, you don't have to say, but you could say what the what the hook was or what what the button. The button. <sighs> There's there was this thing about me changing my mind and of not saying something clearly. And I was asked for why, why I did that. And I did not want to answer it. And so 
that that was it. So did you answer or did you not answer? I did not answer it. And so how did you react then? I mean, what, what was the low drama part? I noticed at some point that I was already being pathetic by my gremlin. I was feeling attacked, so he was there. I was already in that in that space. And... <laughs> I was already fighting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Sonia. Do you think that, that the thing about being attacked could be a doorway for an EHP? No. Feeling attacked? Yes, and I really feel that my next step is to do the chapter zero again and mm -hmm. have a coach to to go through this. Okay. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Wait, try to keep your eyes open. Like, like, look what just happened, okay? There's a lot of <laughs> care and stuff coming mm -hmm. to you, you know? And try to get it that it's you're not bad, you know, you're not wrong. There's these mechanisms inside of us. And just let it in that we're on your team, you know, that this is how it goes. There's so much support. Yeah, this is how it goes. Thank you for saying it. Thank you for letting it in. Yeah, I don't know if it's really useful, but, you know, just knowing you for now almost a year, we can celebrate a one year knowing each other, something like that. Um, your, your ability to be with your gremlin and other people's gremlin has, has revolutionized. You know, you've been through a revolution. And that, in my experience, it, it keeps getting better. You know, that I, my ability to be with gremlin, you know, is be with other gremlin and then, you know, be with my gremlin. And that there's, I don't know, maybe I was sensing that there was this, like, God, this is, you know, every, because I think you said something like, every time this happens, and it's sort of this, like, forever, it will be like this forever and I will be stabbed in the, you know, and then it's like, why should I relate? You know, why should I try to make an effort? Why should I reveal myself? You know, this, when this, every time it happens, there's all this conclusion, you know, that comes up, follows it. And I encourage you to kind of keep us a, a smaller now. And it's like, this was now, this was now. And it, and, and you'll, you know, you're on this path of transforming your gremlin and, and then being able to be with whoever, really whoever. 
and not have the, you know, not letting yourself stab yourself basically in the heart. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ingrid, would you like to say anything? Yeah. For ten minutes, one, you have more than one. I missed that one. What hit me today was was what? You have one you one. What you have is what you want. Uh, what you have is what you want. I think okay. she's saying you have what you want. You, you have, have what, what you, you want. want. Yeah. And that hit you today. Yeah. I mean yes and may. A new menu. You you made a I made new yesterday a, a new. I video. Didn't catch the last word. Video. 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 It's on and harmless. And it's published. It's on and published. Okay. Harmless. And it is a I have no symptoms, and what I have is, is what I want. And it is about I have symptoms, and what I have is what I want. Yeah, and I know this. I take responsibility for this. So I know this and I take responsibility for this. And I don't blame myself. I don't blame myself. I don't know why. I want this. I don't know why I want this. Yeah. And I'm deeply anchored in the and the and and that's my me doesn't soon anything which is bad for me yes You're, my being okay. doesn't choose anything that's bad for me yeah and so I don't know how it's good for me, but 
I know that what I should contribute to my growth. What it what you chose contributes to your growth. Yeah. So you don't know how it is good for you, but you do know that you what you choose contributes to your growth. Yeah. And I'm only open yeah, to receive what without having any expectation. I'm only open to receiving without having any expectations. Yeah. And so, and, and that allows me to feel, to feel, and to me insist whatever I feel. And that has allowed me to be, to feel, to feel, and to be at peace with whatever may be. Whatever I feel. Whatever I feel. Yeah, to be at peace with whatever I feel. Yeah. That's what I am today. That's where I am today. Thank you. Thank you, Ingrid. Thank you, Ingrid. I want to share something I discovered new. It was a couple of weeks ago when I told you in this round that I had this um, in, in another context, which has modern culture context, that that was so exhausting for me and I went out and I needed three days to recover and I was really frustrated. And Clinton, you said like, that's important. Um, I, I should experimenting more in this area. And I actually thought like, no, I don't want to go there again. It, it, it was so exhausting. I don't want to be there. And I had a lot of, um, resentment. And then the day came where this meeting was again. And I said, why should I go there? Why should I keep my center away just by, by joining this? And there's no necessity. And I said, okay, I go. I want to try something new. And I got prepared by that. I don't start to wanting something or to giving something and just being there and try to connect and giving appreciation. So this was what I had in my pocket. And I went there and did that. And it was really amazing what happened. What happened just by not doing more than try to connect whatever it is there in that space and nothing more. 
Dorothea, what is your recommendation for an experiment then? Um, the recommendation is what I, what I found out at the end by doing that. Because what I realized was that um, one of my survivals is the belief that I have I'm to... Gonna, I'm hmm? going to make a distinction. Yeah? It's, I hope that you can use it. It's a distinction about your sharing. The orientation of your sharing is about you and you're sharing an experience or a realization or something that happened to you in the past that was so amazing. And all we get out of it is, oh, Dorte had an amazing experience. That's what we get, which in other groups is fine. This is a research group. It's a study group. We have a different purpose than just sharing amazing experiences. We want to know distinctions. We want to know experiments to try. We want to know recommendations of what, of like, what the traps are or what the possibilities are or like that. And so it's a different kind of sharing. And so, and so it's not about you. If you watch this recording again, count how many times you said the word I. Just count how many in this. And, and the, what's the, where you're directing our energy, where you're directing our energy towards you. And instead of bringing the energy in this space for everybody to, to make use of as an experiment or to consider for themselves, we have to give you our attention. It's a different orientation. It's not bad. It works in other spaces. But in this particular space, it's it's a different. It's about research, about discovery. It's about the edge, not about past stories about what's amazing. Mm, okay, I think what I wanted to say now actually is the edge, but now I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, the, it's not the first time that you do this, so mm -hmm. it's not because of this one time. It's uh -huh. You've been well enough. You've been in here often enough, and it's it's a pattern that showed up. And it, it and people like people are not getting fed from what you're saying in this space. And so I, I'm just offering you the doorway to shift. And Chloe, you're going to say something. And the the shift is skip everything up to now, and start at the edge. You don't have to share all the stories where it comes from, what happened, how amazing it was for you. That's not it. Because you're a researcher. I know you are. I know you're a researcher. Okay. We want to know your research. We want to know the exact moment. We want to know how, like that. And it goes into the future. Because we're, this whole, our next week, we're going to experiment. And all we get from you is a story about your past two weeks ago when you had an amazing experience, something like that, or whatever. Mm. Mm. So the edge for me was or is still is, yeah, especially now, now, now is that uh, I don't give value to the space or I don't contribute or that what, what I have to give or what I have to share is not landing in the space. So it was exactly that. 
So what you name was exactly that in, in, in the past as well. And by doing something else, by doing, mm, by not, not wanting to give the value, but just stay in connection, I co-created a space that was okay, working. But, okay, but you're talking about the past again. Yeah, yeah I'm talking you... about the past again. So look, this one, I don't know if it's true or not, maybe it was a language thing, but you said this thing of not wanting to give the value. That could easily be a doorway for a big emotional healing process. If that, if you have a sensation of not wanting to give the value, does that make sense to you? Yeah, that is that is one of my my biggest survival that yes. I have to give value, that I have to make sense. Yes, and if you can use yeah. that, especially the not wanting to give the value or to make sense, the not wanting to, that would be a great doorway for. And it probably has two or three layers in it, that, that process. I would encourage you to do that. And I would encourage you somehow to do one of these processes with Habet, who left. She was in the space. Mm -hmm. She's been working with that for a while. Okay. And, you could, and you could ask right now if you want, if somebody will hold space for you for one of the layers of that. Okay, yeah. Uh, does someone hold space for me? in this uh, not wanting to give value topic. I see Leslie. And also Kinu. Great. Mm -hmm. Super. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for not trying to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Because I could feel it's right in there close to home for you. The thing I just said close is to what? close to home. There's a place really close deep in you. It's close in you. And it could be easily a reaction to try to defend it. And you did not do that. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Leslie. Yes. My experiment is it has a lot to do with reasons and I'm I see myself coming up with reasons that's the way I'm being treated is the problem. And I, I see that there's no way out of that. And so my experiment is um, to stop eating cookies, find inspiration in the study group, And and remember what my purpose is. Uh, my purpose is not to play victim in my community, in my 
uh, my, the meetings that we have. And I, I, I did have a, a moment where that I did something different. There was, there was criticism of, uh, something I was doing in my work. And it was, there was a number of different things. And I said, yes, tell me, tell me all of it. I want to know all of it. And then I asked for a time to discuss. So what is to be done? Like, where, where are people at with the, these problems? Because I, it was one person who told me the problems. And then I decided that the group Rather than say, okay, I won't do those things anymore, I decided to go to the group and and get more more people thinking about the different aspects of the problems that I create and what could be done. So that felt that felt to me, I felt joy about the purpose that I was bringing to that. So Leslie, there's. There's a couple of things. One is <clears throat> groups can get incestuous. And it's smelling a hell of a lot like incestuous to me. What does that mean? It How means do you mean that? interbreeding. If people, they uh, uh, come together in a, whatever community context, and then they think that that's real or true. And then it's almost like a religion. And they start nitpicking details that are neurotically... Um, developed as a, as a way of just going like chickens. They're like chickens pecking on each other. Do you ever see chickens pecking on each other? Yes. And there's a pecking order. You know, one pecks on this one, and then this one picks on the next one, and this one picks, you know, like that. And everybody picking on each other, and they're all picking because of some neurotic, you know, insanely incestuous means it's like inbred. It's an inbred context. It like folds in on itself. So it's smelling like that. I'm not saying it is like that. I'm just telling you it smells like that. So I'm encouraging you to get some outside support for you delivering your archetypal lineage in the world, the, the non-material value of your archetypal lineage in the world, not from this incestuous chicken henpecking neurotic context process because that'll just eat you up for the rest of your life you would just look like one of those hen pecked chickens at the end of your life you know half your feathers are gone you can hardly you got your neck is all bald and everything's kind of old and crippled and your energy went that way and that's not what your energy can be used for it can be used for actually creating value in the world and the other, the other thing, the shift that you felt that made sense to you was you were actually turning it around to do some game world consulting. So there's a great website called Game World Consulting. And if that's of interest to you, there are so many game worlds that need consulting that you just leave your game world behind because uh, you cannot be a priest in your own village. Did you ever hear that before? Yeah. You cannot be a priestess in your own village. They won't get it. But other villages can really value your game world consulting perspective. It's a highly valued service. And Chloe and I 
were just doing that in Costa Rica for you know a multi-million dollar project and they were they were eating it up. They were so happy to have the consulting because they just don't get it. So there's so many places out there that need this. That could be really a value you could provide to other game worlds. Thank you. You would also need some asshole training. Yes. <laughs> Conscious asshole. Yes. Yes, of course. Conscious asshole. Uh, I'm reading on page 247, section 8B, on a section from the book that says love, friendship, and sex in three domains. It says, relating involves such considerations as love, friendship, and sex. In this book, we are distinguishing among three categories or universes of relating, ordinary human relating, extraordinary human relating, and archetypal relating. In each universe, the dynamics of love, friendship, and sex function under completely different laws. You get that? Does that make sense? Like love, friendship, and sex in ordinary world is so, it's completely different from the extraordinary world. How many people have experienced that? How different it is between ordinary and extraordinary? Okay. And then archetypal is one leap again. It's a completely different way of, of how things go. And if you try to make them the same, you're just stuck in ordinary soup, ordinary relating soup, and try to mix other ingredients in doesn't, won't help you. It really is about declaring, holding, and navigating a, a particular space, ordinary, extraordinary, or archetypal. You do not mix them together. They do not work. You mix them together, you get ordinary. <clears throat> In ordinary human relating, love, friendship, and sex are experienced from the perspective of a victim. There is a scarcity of love. Love means somebody loving me. I can never get enough of this love, so I try to find love anywhere I can. I try to have friends as the quote-unquote, the cure for my loneliness. I try to have sex for the cure for my horniness. You get this? It's a victim conversation. It's a victim orientation. <clears throat> so I try to manipulate people to give me more love or to give me sex. And you can just see this happening all over, on TV, on the streets, in the cafes, like everywhere. In extraordinary human relating, I take responsibility for sourcing love, friendship, and sex as laboratories for evolutionary experimenting. So I'm sourcing it. I am the source. It is not a victim conversation. It is an experimenter's creating conversation. <clears throat> love friendship, and sex are not scarce at all because wherever I go, there they are because I source them. 
I create them. I play in these domains with the side effect is ecstatic joy and wonder and awe and improvising. Love, friendship, and sex exist merely because I'm there causing them to happen. The difference between extraordinary human relating and archetypal relating is that extraordinary relating is about love, friendship, and sex, and archetypal relating is about love, friendship, and sex <laughs> with capital letters. Love, friendship, and sex with capital letters, and the capital letters signify archetypal principles. So love, friendship, and sex are, are you're interacting, you're being with them as as bright principles, archetypal principles. This is a big difference. The purpose of archetypal relating is to be a theater in which the archetypal principle of love, the archetypal principle of friendship, and the archetypal principle of sex can perform archetypal interactions. In other words, Archetypal relating is the space through which the archetypal principles of love, friendship, and sex, among others, can do their work in the world. Archetypal relating turns out not to be about me at all. In archetypal relating, the relating itself serves the world as both a transformer and a transducer. So these are two technical terms, but they're structures that change the quality of energy. A transformer changes the quality of energy and a transducer changes the quality of energy. Transformers increase or decrease the intensity of a particular form of energy. And a transducer shifts the energy from one quality to another quality so that the energy can be put to a different use. So I'll go back to what it said. Archetypal relating turns out not to be about me at all. In archetypal relating, the relating itself serves the world as both a transformer and a transducer. So which means increasing intensity or decreasing intensity as a transformer or shifting the energy to a different quality as a transducer. So it can be put to a different use. In the case of archetypal relating, the relating itself serves as a transformer. For example, it increases or decreases the intensity of love, friendship, or sex to the level of intensity most appropriate for the situation at hand. Archetypal relating serves as a transducer when the relating shifts the quality of the principle of love, for example, into the principle of acceptance or teamwork or appreciation or family or discovery or respect or whichever archetypal principle is needed to make the best use of the present circumstances. End of this section. Anything about that?
how many people get this? Like for me, I read this and I, I, I get the sense of how clear it is. And I get the sense of how it's a instruction for something that is not a, really available other places. It's like a different kind of instruction about these three domains of love or three domains of relating. And it's, it's like, it's like, a, it's almost like a mathematics. I don't know if you remember mathematics of learning to count one, two, three, and then learning to do addition, subtraction, you know, arithmetic, division, and then starting to do algebra with equations and stuff. You know, it's like these levels, you're using the same materials, but with completely different orientation or, and the power of it, the power of it is different. You know, you can count, counting's really useful. And when you, when you multiply and divide and, and all of a sudden it's even more useful. And then you start doing equations and you can, you know, solve all these other kinds of problems. Like it's a different, whole different thing. So that's what this is, it feels like to me. So I feel glad that this book exists and that it's there. You know, it's in black and white. People can work with this because there's, I don't know, I never had a class in this. You know, my spiritual teacher didn't teach me this stuff. It came from a commitment to the discovery of how this works. And that's where it came from. You going to say something? Anybody? Sonia was going to say something. Sonia, go ahead. Yes. Uh, can you sh share something that you experience that is archetypal? And, and the question comes from the, the, it, the purpose is, um, I don't have a sense of what archetypal is. The word doesn't land in me. And yeah, this is why I'm asking for, if you can share something that you experienced. So were you, were you in the last two study groups? I I was not in the last. Anyway. I, I think I was in, in the other one, yeah. Yeah, if you can, because we, we started archetypal not long ago. It was just the last one. Okay. Was only the last one. Mm -hmm. If you, and you were not in the last one, right? Any case. Yes, I wasn't. Yeah, go. So please watch that first. That will help. Because we had that question, you know, what is archetypal? What does it mean? What does it mean the archetypal? In, in, in short, what it means is it's not personal. So, There was a transaction that Anne Chloe and I had yesterday. We were in a small cafe in Poitiers, which is a city in France. And there was a lady who opened up her little cafe a week and a half ago. And it, we just happened to be there three or four days before. So it was one week old and we walked in, there was nobody in the cafe. We walked in and we just scanned energetically the space and and there was a sensation of extraordinariness which she was bringing to the space 
because she was excited and it was new and she's just setting it up and she's holding this space with really clear purpose and love. And it was cared for in a certain way. And so when we came back to Poitiers four days later, we said, where are we going to go? And we just looked at each other and said, let's go to that cafe. And so we went there again and she recognized us and she said, you're back. And we said, we came back for a purpose. And so that's, that conversation opened up a, a different kind of space. It wasn't ordinary. You know, a drinking coffee at a cafe is ordinary in a way. Um, and having, having good coffee at a good cafe can be ex- extraordinary. But what we did was we opened up a third kind of conversation, which is this is our cafe. And we're, we're collaborating with you to cause the cafe to occur in such a way that it feeds the gods. So how did we do that? Well, we sat down together, and Chloe and I, and we were holding this space without even talking about it, and people started to come in. And within a half hour, the place was packed. All these people, and the place was, there was this energy just happening like this. And people would come in and say, you have such a wonderful place here. It's such a beautiful, you know, they would like say it out loud, you know, not just to her. just like say the other thing about telling your friends whatever. Oh yeah, and this other <clears throat> couple they came in and said, you know, we've we've told everybody about this place, but we couldn't remember the name. Because that's a weird name. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but it was the place was just like people picked up the, the archetypal energy that we were holding in this space and she was holding in the space and the whole space just became a a zone. Like it's a zone. You couldn't walk by and not look there. I mean, it's really funny because two German couples walked in and the first German couple, they couldn't handle the space that they would keep dropping stuff and make such loud sound to try to destroy the space. And even one time they knocked their coffee over, over. there was coffee all over, you know, as a, you know, another way to destroy the space. And 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 then the second couple sits outside and a pigeon shits all over this guy's, like, on his head, on his T-shirt, on this. And then he cleaned it up, and he's like, I'm, le- I'm leaving. <laughs> Even the pigeons the, are protecting the, the space. The pigeon was on our side. <laughs> yeah, but, but the way that the lady, the owner of the cafe, cleaned up the coffee that this mm-hmm. guy spilled all over himself and the floor and everything, she said nothing. Mm-hmm. It was like an angel came over, cleaned up the space invisibly, and brought a new coffee. It was like there was zero reactivity, like zero because it was this archetypal space. And then in that space, and Chloe and I just, I, I went over and I looked at her, I said, look at that shelf there. And she had this like bookshelves on the side. I go, that shelf is empty. She goes, yeah. I say, we're going to send you some books to put on that shelf. She goes, Really? Yeah, we write books, we publish books, and they're really good books. We're going to send them to you for free to put on your shelf. And she was just really, like, that was an archetypal exchange. There was no, it's no, it's beyond reason. You know, there's no point, you know, there's no, but we're contributing to the space because it's, it was, we were holding this archetypal space. And then we paid for our stuff and left 
I mean, be sure, be sure and send the good night feelings book in mm. German. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. that if those couples come in and can't deal with the space, she could just put the book on the table for them. <laughs> okay, thank you. I did not think of that. Feeling, but... I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, they, they have these things, little biscuit things in France called madeleines. And I, I've i been in France for a month and I did not eat one. And I walked over to the madeleine that she had and I ordered it and I ate it. And I just took one bite of it and I go, this is an archetypal madeleine. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I ate the whole thing. And so I offered it to Aunt Chloe and she goes, no, no, you know, madeleines. No, I, no, I, 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 I know what they are. <laughs> So then I was leaving and I told the lady, I said, this was the most amazing Madeleine. She goes, I know. <laughs> she goes, sense. I know, I made it. And the best oh. ones are the ones with chocolate. <laughs> and I went, what, you've got them with chocolate? And she's had one left. You can see this. <laughs> so you, I have to, to give me the one with chocolate. I brought it over to the table. And, and I went to use the toilet. And when I came back, it was gone. Just, <laughs> there was a. <laughs> she, ate the whole thing. she ate the whole thing, and there was only one. And so it was so good. It was so good. So now she understands all the archetypal modeling. I mean, so it's not something. It's not something weird. Like we're designed mm -hmm. to interact and hold space and we're designed for the archetypal. We're designed for it. So it's a way of being in the world in and functioning under the laws of archetypal spaces. You know, so if you function under the laws of ordinary space, you have to complain, you have to blame, you have to gossip. Both people talk at the same time about problems. Everybody has problems and so everything, you know, it's a victim conversation in low drama. This is how the laws of the ordinary world work. And you can see those. You can sense those spaces happening all over. And that's ordinary. And it's not so common that you even can find an extraordinary space, but you can pretty straightforward create, you know, if you start doing initiatory process in, into adulthood and learn about holding and navigating space and taking radical responsibility, you can hold and create, hold and navigate, you know, cavitate, hold and navigate uh, extraordinary spaces. That's straightforward. And then, and it's another set of laws, functions under a different set of laws. And archetypal spaces, again, function in a different set of laws. It's the same physical space. It can be the same exact physical space. And it can even be the same people. But it's like, uh, on, uh, Ellen was saying before how it can be difficult to open a door and invite into extraordinary and people cannot go through the door. It can be like that. So, yeah. So does that help, Sonia? Yes, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah. mm. You know, I I sit at cafes and I see how other couples relate. And like Clinton said, it's mostly ordinary. 
sort of except when we go to really holiday places where somehow people, some couples can create a space where there's some kind of love happening. Like they're kind of more relaxed and it, it's sort of almost extraordinary. Like there's a care for each other. There's a wish to enjoy the space. So it's almost extraordinary. But when, you know, whatever, when Paris, we're traveling in cities or something like that, I always wonder if the waiter or the waitress notice the space that Clinton and I are in, whether it's extraordinary or archetypal. And it's been really rare that even the waitress or the waiter or anybody else in the cafe ever noticed anything in terms of talking to us. Yeah. I want to tell a story about one time. With it, she did notice. Were you going to tell that? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. But so this is one time, and that was really in the beginning of Clinton and I relating in Spain. In, in Spain, there's all these plaza where there's no cars and there's cafes and there's a kind of church and children are playing and stuff. And so we're, we're sitting at the cafe or in a restaurant and we... we it was in the middle of the road. Is that, maybe it's a different time. Yeah. It's a different time? I don't know. Go ahead. Okay. It's the middle of the plaza and, and the tables are out and it's warm and sunny and stuff. And, and Clinton and I are having this extraordinary archetypal space and the waitress comes in to bring us our uh, carafe d'eau, a pitcher of water and she is twirling spinning and singing she's a middle aged you know ordinary (laughs) housewife whatever and she's singing opera and and Clinton you know we sort of like and Clinton says wait oh sorry so we completely (laughs) hold that space for her to sing to us. I mean, try to imagine that, you know, you, there's no, there's no explanation. There's no, it's not our birthday or something. And this lady comes out and she just starts singing opera while she's pouring two glasses of water to us and spins around and goes back in the cafe. So we have the rest of our meal and it's all over and finished. And we have this space for the whole time. But then when we go back in at the counter, She's taking our money, and I just say, excuse me, can, do you always sing while you pour water for the customers at your restaurant? And she goes, no, I never did that before. Oh. Wow. So this is, this is what can happen. <laughs> I'd love to go to a cafe with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dangerous. I know, I know. Okay. <laughs> We're going to wait for you in Sao Paulo next week. <laughs> we'll be in Sao Paulo. Okay. We have some plans to coming to New York. So, what? All right. No, there's an ongoing invitation. No, yes. In my neighborhood. <laughs> we're about we're about at the end of our time. Does anybody have any anything to wrap this up today? I'm going on to the Gremlin transformation, my third time around. Uh right after this. It's a three. So uh three my time. So I'm gonna sign off so I have time to take a breath. 
Thank See, you very much. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mark, were you going to say something? I feel fear about talking about the archetypal and uh, archetypal sex, love, and relating. And I noticed that I've had experiences with it, but always pulled back to the ordinary. And so the ordinary has always destroyed my experiences of extraordinary or archetypal interaction. And I'm aware of that. So if you're aware of it, then you know that it was not the ordinary. It was a part mm -hmm. of you that was afraid of losing its command and control methods of spaces. What part would that be probably? There's some contract that I'm defending yeah. somewhere that I haven't I haven't exposed it yet, but Okay, Mimetic session that. last week wow. resonated. You can find that, Mark. Mm -hmm. Because it's, like you said, it's a contract. And it's a fear-based, survival-based, destroy anything that's threatening. And it's ancient. It's been there all, all my life. You're there, man. Right there. Okay. That's what I'm experimenting with. Being there and not moving from it. Yeah, this is, where, this is where it's so helpful to not, you know, to get it that you have a team mm -hmm. and to not be trying to do it yourself. Because that those are the kind of thing we need people holding space and navigating through some processes. That's because this is not something that you can just figure out. And if you just wait it out. Not gonna, nothing will really change. So I encourage you to get yourself a team and go for it. So you could even ask, you, Thank know, you. you could even ask if there was somebody take you through that door first, right here. So I'm confused about the concept of the contract versus an EMP. EMH. I thought an EMH was, doesn't work against the contract. Fortunately, you don't have to figure that out because that's their job. <laughs> yeah, Clint. <laughs> I, I don't have everybody on the screen, so I'd need it called out, but are there people that would help me to do an emotional healing process hopefully to lead to getting this contract discovered. Janet. Ingrid. Janet. And Michael. Yeah, cool. And Ingrid. Ingrid, Michael, and Janet. Great. Uh, James, are you holding space Michael. for emotional healing process? I am. Okay. Good. You got it, Mark? I've got Janet, Ingrid, Michael, and was it James also? No. no. 
No, okay. I've got those three. Yes. That should be yes. Funny. I would like to be part of the team, but not to lead the team. And Annie. Annie. Yes. Um, I'm. I don't. In this particular process, Annie, I would. I don't. I wouldn't promote that idea. There's a. Okay. There's certain energies that are going to happen in this that. And particularly Janet knows about. And it's just not great to have an extra person around because she has to protect you. And that would take away from focusing on the process. Oh, is that okay? That's okay with me too. And yes. if you're interested, and if you're interested in that stuff, there's a website called Demon Slayer. And it's okay. it's got some good stuff on it already. Can someone type that? Yeah, I will like here. Thank you. Demon Slayer and Chloe's typing it in. It will be in the comments of um, on the recordings. Okay. Bye. Thank you, everybody. Happy experimenting. Thank you for being here. See you Stay next safe. week. Bye. 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 Bye.